Uh, hey, fellas, guess what I call a kilo of Coles mints? What do you call a kilo of Coles mints? Yeah. St- a steak tartare value pack. So, Creole Kitchen, go down there, buy some food. They have chicken um, fried chicken. Chicken fried chicken. Have which, you ever eaten that in Brisbane? What is, is chicken thing? fried chicken? What is that? It, it, I think it was something with chicken and then they put it on chicken. Um, ah. So uh, I, everything was Louisiana. He was like, I got some Louisiana beer here. And then I was like, oh, these are cool hot sauces. Yeah, they're from Louisiana. And it literally just the label was like Louisiana hot sauce. I'm like, everything's Louisiana. So I asked the guy, what's with Louisiana? He goes, so once I was on a Kentucky, right, in oh. America. I go, wow. He's like, yeah, I did 1.5 days in New York. Um, I did uh, nine, nine hours in Chicago. Man, <laughs> if you want any hot tips for Chicago, man, I got them. If you want, if you're planning on going, it's really awesome. Um, um, the the bar in this hostel just went off, dude. I have to recommend it. And then, and then he said, and then I went to Louisiana. And oh, I met this girl there, and she was amazing. She was on the Kentucky. Um, she and and she said, "I love Louisiana." Uh, she lives in New Farm, so I fell in love with her, and I'm just I opened this store because she loves Louisiana. Everything's Louisiana, and then she's finally going to come here, have the food, see me again, and maybe we'll hit it off again. That was ten years ago. It turns out she's a lesbian, and what she actually said was, "I love Louise and Anna." <laughs> And this, I and no, and I tell no lies here. This is what he said. He said he said to me he said to me this. And so now I'm only keeping this kitchen open so I can save up money to get a sex change so that I can become a, a lesbian and then finally win her back. And wow. I said I looked him in the eye and I said that's real love. That's true love. And you quietly paid your bill. And I'll have the chicken fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> You're on out there? It's R.L. Burnside listening to the Canada Van on Fortable Z. All right, let's get this thing moving. Let's get this thing moving. <laughs> yeah, if I was a teacher at an all-boys school, they'd just be looking at me drooling, going, he's got kind of long hair. He'll do. Take a picture of his ass when he's bending over to pick up the ruler. Um, we actually, I went to an all-boys school, and you're so starved of females to look at that there's um, a bit of like a female teacher factor that... Um, you, women seem a whole lot more attractive just because you're in this all-male jail, essentially. And uh, well, there was this one teacher called Miss Jones, and she was um, she was so very attractive. Um, only the older boys were allowed to talk to her. And there was actually a story of legend that she had nip-slipped at the athletics carnival. Now, only one boy had seen it, but he swore. He swore that he did see it. Uh, we, we all said, oh, you're so full of it, mate. You're such a liar. You know, what did it even look like? And he was like, well, it was pink and pointy and surrounded by skin. And we were like, wow! So you did see Miss Jones's nipple. Then this so att- very attractive Miss Jones, when I finally did leave school and I met all these other women from university and out in the streets and in the shopping centres, and then, and then I saw Miss Jones again, it actually turned out that there was no Miss Jones ever. And that it was actually just a... It was a pot plant that kind of looked like a woman um, that we were all getting hot and bothered about. But uh, I um, went to uh, the Roma races. Now, I hear what you're saying. The Roma races, aren't they in November? Well, what happened is my mate Longy, he Googled Roma races. And I said, there are races in Roma this weekend. He messages me. Harry, Roma races? Sure, I'll take the Friday off. Let's go to Roma. Um, the time came to drive to Roma, central Queensland, Roma. I've heard, I heard all these great things about the pizza and pasta out there, and I could not wait to get out there and try it for myself. So we hit the old dusty trail, we get a driving, and um, we get a talking. And we do a little bit too much driving and a little bit too much talking because we're pretty much at Warwick, and we realise we're driving south when we should be driving just a little tiny, uh, teeny bit north. So we went to Roma via almost the New South Wales border and it's night time and we, our original plan of rolling out our swags next to the racetrack and camping overnight um, uh, face a sudden rethinking because it's pouring with rain, darkness and no one, not a single person is at the racetrack. Um, we'll go to the local, wait till this whole thing blows over. So we park out the front of a local pub, the Queen's Arms, and we get a drink in. It's there where we find out we're actually here in the wrong weekend. We go, why is this place busy? They say, look, uh, yes, there are some races on this weekend, but they're not the Roma races. Um, But you are lucky, gentlemen, because this weekend there is actually a shooting tournament uh, in Roma. Um, 
that only happens every 10 years. Every 10 years. Now, I know good events come around every four years or so. You know, like the Football World Cup. You have to wait four years, you know. That's because it's so good, you can't wait any more than four. But if you waited any less, it wouldn't be as good when you finally have it. Um, that's why I wait four years for sex um, every time. But, you know, so you wait four years for a World Cup. I mean, what do you wait ten years for? Yeah, every, every ten years, oh, uh, every, every ten years I get hospitalised for a bout of cellulitis, you know, every ten years. Um, so, but they had this shooting tournament out there and people come from all over Australia to come and shooting. And um, uh, we met some absolutely uh, sensational blokes. One was nicknamed uh, Psycho. His name was quite literally, well, his nickname anyway, was Psycho. He was pretty skinny and he had tattoos all down his arm. Now, Psycho had a wife and a few um, uh, pretty stiff-looking mates. And he had a very, very friendly wife. And she would keep reaching in um, to uh, uh, Psycho's wallet, pulling out a few 50s and buying everyone beers. And um, then we met this fellow called Irish Dave. He was this old Irish fellow who somehow found himself in Roma. Um, uh, I asked him, what are you doing in Roma? I can't actually repeat the answer because it was full of swear words. And... Um, he had, he had terrible rashes on his arm. I, I tried not to touch Irish Dave. He had this terrible rash. I'm not sure if it was permanent. Um, but uh, that, that rash, as you will find out, is the least of Irish Dave's concerns. Now, uh, he was also a benefactor of uh, Psycho's wife's incredible generosity. Um, and uh, uh, he, so Psycho's wife was buying him beers too. Now, he interpreted this as, wow. Psycho's wife is keen on me. And he kept coming up and going, hey, you want to go out for a cigarette? And things were getting weird. Um, and uh, to- towards the end, um, uh, something happened, something went wrong, and Psycho's wife started to cry. And it quickly became apparent that Irish Dave had done something wrong and it had made Psycho's wife cry. Now, I turned to my mate Benny and I'd say, Benny, I think it's time to go. Irish Dave has just made Psycho's wife cry. We look at each other, we leave. We don't want, we don't want to witness um, a crime here. Look, we are far too busy to have to drive out to Roma Courthouse to testify evidence in some Irish bloke's bloody murder trial. Um, so, we, no turning back, just kept walking. Now, uh, it's with uh, great sadness that I do report that this is the Irish Dave Memorial episode uh, today. No, twist in the tail. We go to the races the next day, we're at Roma Racecourse. We see Irish Dave's mate is by himself. We go, well, it's quite obvious what's happened. Irish Dave is in hospital, and if things have worked out in the best possible way for him, his mother still wouldn't recognise him. And we go up to his mate and say, what happened to Irish Dave? How's he doing? Has he recovered? And he says, what do you mean? Look, what happened is, Irish Dave went home with Psycho's wife. And we're saying, please explain. Um, and he says, he says this. He says, what happened after you left? She sort of calmed down a bit. And then she started freaking out about something that Psycho said. And then so she was crying about something that Psycho said. And she said, okay, I'm going to go home with Irish Dave. And then, and then he's like, this girl, something was wrong with her. She was a bit loopy. And I go, you know what? That just reminds me, she was a bit loopy. You know, I, I pronounced to the entire pub that I would accept $5 to pee on the pool table. And then she said that was rude. Yeah, she is. She was loopy. And um, so Irish Dave's mate says this. So she stays over at Irish Dave's place, sleeps in a separate room, nothing happens, wakes up in the middle of the night to leave, knocks the TV off the wall, the TV smashes, and Irish Dave had to miss the Roma races because he was buying a new TV. We asked Irish Dave's mate, what do you mean? Why couldn't he just wait until tomorrow to buy a new TV? And he says very solemnly, he says this, it's Roma. There's not much to do out here. There's a bakery. There's a courthouse. Without a TV, what will we do? Netflix is all we have. So he simply had to miss the Roma races to buy a new TV. Yeah, Roma was simply incredible. Um, I, I kissed probably some of the fattest girls I've ever kissed in my life. Three in one night. I was talking to some skinny girls. They wouldn't kiss me. I said, bugger this. I know who will. Went over to these fat girls. God, they were so fat. <laughs> and um, 
Yeah. Oh, it reminds me. I met these fellas in England once, and uh, I hung out with them for a while. And they said, look, on charity night, we have charity night. And we go up and we kiss fat birds on charity night. Yeah. I was like, oh, charity night, that's, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, hashtag misogynistic. Um, but I said, that, all right, that, that's what you do, charity night once a month. But I hung out with these guys for a few nights in a row. And I think most nights for them are charity night, if you know what I mean. But, um, uh, but yeah, no. And this is my conclusion, all right? Um, girls are just as creepy and just as seedy as any man I've ever met. See, I kissed these three girls, all right? These three fat country girls. And um, and I do emphasize the word fat. Um, uh, and they would not leave me alone. They, they followed me around for the entire night. Um, it was like that opening scene of Austin Powers, where he's running down the street and all the girls are chasing him. But think... Rather than like 100 girls chasing awesome powers, think like three like quite fat country girls sort of waddling after me. I actually make quite a clean getaway in the end. It's a very short intro segment. But, um, uh, yes, they, one of them who was particularly, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, aroused, just kept coming up and grabbing me by my tie. And she just kept going around my tie so viciously. One time I was standing next to a pot plant. She pulls my tie. I trip over the pot plant and fall over. You know, this is, this is incredible. And then, uh, because she pulled my tie so much, the, night was, the, the knot was so tight. I mean, I was trying to get off before I went to sleep. I had to sleep with this tie on. And then the next day, half the car ride back to Brisbane, trying to undo my tie. Um, so tight. Guess what I had to do? Go back to Brisbane, cut it off with scissors. Lost a tie. Thanks, Roma. Um, yeah, charity night. Um, went horribly wrong. But if you hang out with me for long enough, you'll know that most nights are charity nights. And well, how's, how's it going up there? How's it going in Brisbane? Yeah, we've had some great um, new road resurfacing lately. Everyone is very excited. So um, we'll start the interview in... Three, two, good evening, Emily Hutchinson, author, journalist, acquitted people smuggler, a traditional Brisbane greeting to you. How you going? Go the Broncos! <laughs> How's it going? Thanks for having me. No worries. Thank you for coming on the show. We have a brand spanking new copy ahead of its release here, Shared Living by Emily Hutchinson. That's great news. It's very fun seeing it on the shelves down in Melbourne. I've can't believe it's made its way up to Brisbane as well. Very exciting times. Well, we have we have shared homes too. You know what? Um, yeah. Even though I believe there's a conspiracy against them, which we'll get to later, Emily. But first, <laughs> what um, what inspired you to create this dossier on shared homes? Um, I just saw that there was a bit of a missed opportunity in the design world for people like us, the share houses struggling to you know, make a home to be be part of the design world as well. Absolutely. And I'm sure half the photos you took of these shared homes probably got sent to the Department of Health, but the other half ended up in this book. <laughs> There's a lot of lovely inspiration about how to decorate a shared home, essentially a space you might not own. Yeah, totally. Well, that's, I mean, you know, like, I think that, yes, we may not own the homes, but there's actually lots of um, tips and tricks to still decorating the house that you live in that you don't need to you don't necessarily need to own it or even get permission to do certain things to it to make it put your personalized stamp on it and good for them to know yes absolutely and, and my and my favorite couple in the book uh john and ricky well i'm not sure if they're official judging by the pictures oh, um yeah. my favorite couple um who live in richmond and they got uh, a whole suite of indoor plants and I just love indoor plants I actually think there is such thing as a loser test and if you don't have indoor plants at your house you fail the loser test <laughs> I love that well I have to agree but um, they they actually by the way Harry not a couple um, they're just it's a platonic relationship you know it's um, just two guys happily living together um, one of them happens to be a professional drag queen the other a professional eBayer. It, it's true. It, a house looks cooler with indoor plants. I don't know what it is, but it just looks cooler. And you know, there are mystical properties to the peace lily. It actually creates more oxygen and soak, soaks up carbon dioxide in your house. So 
uh, if you have a peace filler, you're actually a healthier person. And uh, Amanda at the local nursery told me, mm. if you really want to have a healthy peace filler, you have to shower with it. And um, just be careful <laughs> who walks in on that. You don't want people <laughs> saying, who, who are all these messages to Lily? What, who the, who's this Lily that you're showering with? <laughs> Yeah, or just a man showering with a plant is a weird mental image anyway. But, yeah, adding the, the name to it as well really takes to the next level, doesn't it? Emily, love is love. Now, <laughs> there's also a fellow in this book named Kai who has a lovely home. But Kai, obviously all these people, they have their professions as well, which are always quite eclectic. But Kai says that his job is a freelance barista. Now, is that a fancy way of saying unemployed? <laughs> Aren't all baristas freelance? I mean, from what <laughs> I experience, I feel like they're all just hopping around from coffee shop to coffee shop. <laughs> Another perk of living in a share house is being inspired by the cuisine and the sharing of uh, culinary knowledge between uh, housemates. Um, it reminds mm. me of an occasion where I had a housemate called Bryce who one day kindly offered to cook for us and he said, boys, you're getting bolognese. Um, sounds easy. He proceeded to put um, a kilo of frozen mints in a pan with a few spoonfuls of peanut butter and he never drained the pasta and put it back in the fridge so it turned into like a pasta pudding of sorts. Oh, my God. Can you share any of your own experiences? First of all, Harry, I want to know if you ate it. He, he, he was an, know, right? Bryce is actually an Italian nonna, so uh, it's rude not to <laughs> eat the meal when uh, she cooks it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's etiquette around that. You have to eat disgusting food your housemates eat because it's like a peace gesture, you know? Like you just yes. have to, like throwing the peace, peace lily, as you said, <laughs> back in someone's face. Yes. So, yeah, absolutely. I've been through many, probably not, I'm trying to think of bad cuisine. Um, you can tell good ones. Housemate. Oh, well, yeah, I love living with housemates that love food. That's like incredible because you get to eat all of their food but i mean i'm such a sucker for you know like i'm the person that housemates don't love all the time because i do use their food and they're in the pantry like i have a i have a mentality of like what's mine is yours but that's not for every share house oh emily or every housemate section seven of the housemates act of 2016 queensland says very very clearly stipulates that housemates are entitled to try a spoonful of whatever their other housemates cook <laughs> that's what i reckon i'm like you know what like and you can't be like you can't have some of mine and then not let me have some of yours exactly um so yeah i've i actually love when my housemates good cooks and i did have um one housemate who was like obsessed with healthy food and I, you know, like, healthy food's great, but how expensive are, you know, bloody organic things and, and you know, trying to eat healthy is actually really expensive. So she'd always bring home all these, you know, powders and mixtures and stuff that I would never normally get. So I used to love adding them to pretty much all of my meals cause, and then I'd look at the price tag on the back and realise she'd spent, like, $100 on a powder. That's but, the <laughs> you know, I still reaped in the benefits. That's the trouble of those housemates because you run out of milk and then you go, hey, mate, can I borrow some milk? And they go, this organic kefir goat milk costs $70 <laughs> yeah. a milliliter. You know. <laughs> That's right. Luckily, I know. <laughs> a lot of people get confused. It's like not normal but, anymore. Not dairy milk. No, no one drinks that anymore. Coles buy it off them for like two cents a litre. Dairy farmers are in the street. They're selling the big issue in one hand. they got a, two litres of milk on the other hand. And I, I'll give them... for the big issue, $0.02 for the milk. No need for name labels on the milk in our fridge. We all know which one's mine. The oat milk. Yeah. I I see the smiling faces of all these different um, uh, share house roommates in this book, but there's no pictures of the moment when they're packing up at the end of the lease and uh, Terry says to Tony, hey, uh, that's my mix master. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> That's because it's a book and we can't feature those really awkward moments that happen. It's a but distorted I, reality. It is the reality, totally. Like, you know, we've all been through... That's the thing I think with this book as well is that I was like, you know, of course, there. I'm not discounting the fact that there are also like those crappy share houses out there. I think we've all been in them and they're 
great content for life. You know, you get to tell everyone about a really crappy share house that you've been in. Absolutely. And there's so much to learn about diplomacy, uh, people management, compromise. You, you, you see the real humanity in a share house. And um, it reminds me of what the, the opposite of shared living. I actually, I was given a tour of this um, architect's home uh, for Brisbane Open House about a year and a half ago. Mm. And there was this um, guy who lived in a beautiful Art Deco apartment block, but he went through a divorce and they had to sell the apartment, but he didn't want to leave the apartment block. So he got talking to a, uh, a barrister, not a freelance barista, but, you know, um, the six-figure <laughs> guys. And um, he, he had a uh, storage unit downstairs for his books. This is where he used to keep his books. And this guy was like, hey, I want to live in there. And he, he designed this thing where he could fold the bed out and it would become a table and the bathroom was actually a, a drawer underneath the kitchen sink. And he, he oh, lived in there. Wow. And as he was touring us through his house, I mean, he was so skinny and he was so pale. And he just, <laughs> there was no sunlight. And he actually, he was so nervous because he didn't interact with people enough that all he said was a stutter. He just went, huh, 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 huh. And, and, and we're on this tour and just slowly the people left as he just stood there uh, drooling going, huh, huh, <laughs> but are you? How are you enjoying your share house? I'm enjoying it a lot at the moment. I'm, I'm actually in a six-person. <clears throat> sorry, there's someone that could be a Department of Housing person uh, listening. Five-person share house, <laughs> according to Queensland regulations. Um, uh, <laughs> what would I tell? What, what would you say to me, Emily, if I told mm. you that we had a spare room in our house and illegally brought in a Colombian guy on a working visa that we found on? flatmates.com um, and made him pay like double the rent so that he has to work two jobs just to pay the rent each week. Well, I really hope he's not listening to this interview firstly. <laughs> he doesn't speak a lick of English, don't worry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good. Well, I mean, you know what? With that sort of stuff, I think if you can keep it on the DL, great. Yes. But, you know, if I, I reckon the more... It's, it's a time in life where... If, if you're happy to share, like, with that many people, that's awesome for you. Yes. But I feel like I've gotten to the age where I'm just, like, absolutely no more than, like, for me, like, three, four people in the house. Yes. Well, the, my house, actually, he was on the couch the other day and he said that as well. He said, I think I'm ready for a two-person house. And I narrowed yeah. my eyes and I said, you're never leaving. <laughs> and I slashed his car tyres. Was it the, uh, did he walk in on you with the peace lily and he was just like, it's time to leave? <laughs> He's incredibly jealous now. <laughs> um, yeah. It was his peace lily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lily with the oat milk guy. Peace lily is like your other housemate. Hey, well, honestly, I'll get money from where I can get it from. Um <laughs> But yes, because I, I do find, and, and now it's time for the conspiracy, I do find that mm. um, this rule that we have in Queensland, you might have it down in Sydney and Melbourne as well, that uh, if you have any more than five people who are unrelated in the one house, it becomes a boarding house, not a share house, and therefore you have to have these terribly ugly fire escape signs and terribly ugly uh, fire extinguishers. Right. And, uh, I actually had no idea about that. That's yes, crazy. it's a thing, yeah. And I think five's a bit low. And we actually had a our very first um, Greens person elected to uh, Brisbane City Council. And in his opening speech, he said, I think I've made history today as the very first Brisbane City Councillor to be living in an illegal share house. Oh, <laughs> my God. Well, I mean... I, I reckon that I'm with you. I reckon that, is it five or six? Was it five? Five people in, in Brisbane. I think it's a conspiracy to get people to rent more apartments and um, uh, so people don't cram into the one space. They allege that it, it's a rule brought in because of overcrowding of international students. There was this um, news story a few years ago in Sydney where there was a fire at a share house and there was this um, oh cargo God. crate in the backyard and the firemen rocked up and there were just hundreds and hundreds of Chinese exchange students running out of a cargo <laughs> crate. And um, apparently oh they also God. all drove in the same Mini to university as well. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I mean... It does, like, you know, when there's, like, so, so many people in the house, it does become, sounds like almost like a cult in a weird way. Like, <laughs> so many people sharing one car, all eating the same food. There's, like, meal times and stuff. But, yeah, like, I feel like five's a little bit low, to be honest. Like, I've, I've heard of share houses where there's been, like, 
like it's it's been a big mansion or something, but there have been like eight or ten people in there. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I feel like that Brisbane missing out on like having a little Brady Bunch crowd or something going on <laughs> in the share house. I, I reckon the more the merrier. You know what I think the perfect number is? What's the perfect number? Boarding school. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it's, it's perfect being able to wake up next to your housemate. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a very enjoyable read. This shared living book by Emily Hutchinson, Aww. very glossy. Thank you. It's it's as much a, a useful and enjoyable read as it is you know a, a proper ornament. It's just a very aesthetic. Even our illiterate listeners will enjoy this book. Oh, I hope so. Thank you so much, Harry. It's very nice of you to say. Yes, no, thank you very much, and um, everyone, go out and buy this book, Shared Living. Awesome. Thank you, Harry, and thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. No worries. Have a great week, month, year. <laughs> thank you. You too. See you, Emily. All right. How the bloody hell do you turn this stupid bloody thing off? What the... How do you turn off? Bye, Harry. S see ya. Shake that thing, oh, well, oh, sorry, uh, wrong, but how do I... No, I didn't mean to play this one. Harry, oh, sorry, should we play the sting? Do I get a proper introduction? No, you get a, a nice Feels little... like family Christmas when you introduce me to your family. <laughs> yeah. This is we just a friend. It's this. the lead-up to... I'm not just a friend! <laughs> All right, it's the lead-up to... Okay, yeah, there's a few people in the studio right yep. now. Uh, one of them... It's time for a very relevant review from fellow Zeta. Right, he will talk smack. He will probably offend you. He will inform you. The host of a decanter of banter, Southeast Queensland's most controversial radio show, presumably, Harry Ravel Lee. It's good to be here. There he is. There we go. It's good to be here. Is that what you wanted? Yes. It's been a while. The formal introduction. Yeah. Uh, it has been a while, and I have a lot to review. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think maybe two months, three months maybe since yep. you've been here. A lot's changed. Mm. I'm in a wheelchair. <laughs> um, uh, you've got a helmet, so that's different. Yes. No. Still riding your bike here? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Saving greenhouse gases. Sorry. Uh -huh. uh, still hit the letterbox and, the, and the, a couple <laughs> of statues on my way up the drive. but. Okay, well, um, so what are you... <laughs> I'm going to ask you... One more time, Bella, please stop kicking me under the table. <laughs> it's definitely um, not me. Uh, <laughs> and my I'm... name's definitely not Bella. <laughs> oh. Anyway, <laughs> Lizzie, your turn. What are you going to say? Um, I was going to say, <laughs> what, <laughs> we lost what are you going to review for us today? I'm going to review Capital Punishment. Okay. Ooh. Yes or no. It's a great way to keep down uh, graffiti on our streets. That's what Belle was saying earlier during the commercial break. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, Capital Punishment, but I can tell you um, it has worked really well for Singapore in stifling its once booming arts industry. You see, when you put to death all the drug addicts, there's no more music and art left. So that leaves a lot of um, people uh, willing to, you know, uh, start corporate businesses. Mm -hmm. And that's great for the economy. And so I'm here to uh, publicise my new stimulus package for the people of Queensland, okay. capital punishment um, of all people who've ever done drugs. <laughs> okay, so um, have you got anything else? Because we've had like two months here. Do you remember what happened last year? No. Nope. There was that little art gallery. Ah, uh, yes, of course. The art gallery. They had the, the jar With of the art installation. As a, as a piece of oh, modern yes, art. Oh, yes, yes, I do remember. Yeah. Yes. Well, I went back. Oh, oh here we go. It's a follow-up. Guess what this exhibition was? <laughs> what? It's closing down party. Oh, it had a closing that's down party. Yeah, no, it's closing mm. down. Mm -hmm. uh, some funding issues, but the good news is, I met mm. a guy there. This man was an enigma. One is in a bit late. Um, says, "What did I miss?" I said, "Pretty much everything." He said, "What was that?" <laughs> I said, "Half the hummus tin." Um, now, but he says, "Do you like art?" I said, I "Don't mind it." He says, "Mate, you should go to all these private gallery opening parties." Best parties I'll ever go to. Last night, he says, oh. last night I went to a private art gallery, House Conspiracy, West End. Mm, know that one. And there were two naked women just running around, and it was art. It was awesome. And then he says to me this, and I'll never forget this. He says, art gallery opening parties are the best places to pick up women. And I, and I said this, do you even like art? 
I bet he didn't. No, but he knows how to party, and that's the most important thing. <laughs> okay, well, um, interesting. Interesting yes. observation. Guys, I wouldn't have thought of that. Wouldn't have thought um, to go to an art gallery opening just generally. Well, it's very go. easy. People think you have to be in some exclusive inner circle to it go there. It does seem like it. Just like them on Facebook, then they, you, you find out the events are on, then you go. Yeah. That's what I did. Really? Yeah. Mm. You only... You, um, Do you act like you know things at art galleries? You know how people walk around and seem like they they should be there? Yeah. Generally, the ones in the black skivvy, the black turtleneck yeah, exactly. skivvies. Look, the, but I would say this. Art galleries are a little bit, a little bit like women as opposed to men. Sometimes... If you act like an intriguing person, women go, hmm, guy's interesting. What's his deal? Even if you're completely rude, racist, transphobic, doesn't matter. If you're slightly intriguing, they'll like you. And so I went to this art gallery and I saw the giant oh, chicken grease. It's a big call. Right? I know women. I know women. And um, You say this every time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw the giant chicken grease and I thought, this is ridiculous, but I was intrigued. So I liked that art gallery page on Facebook and there I was. It's closing down party. Mm-hmm. Talking with one of the finest gentlemen I've ever met in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's <laughs> it. Um, how did you go? Did you end up um, meeting any girls there? There were some girls there. You and I'll let you them. figure out the rest. No, nah, sorry, I'll tell you the rest. I didn't <laughs> talk to any of them. Okay, yeah, no. Nice. And I left and went home and listened to the Smiths in a dark room and wrote dark poetry. That's good. It's a change from um, your usual Adele crying in a shower. Yeah. So naked, covering myself in Vaseline, yeah. rubbing lipstick on my face, sure. going, "You're a whore. You're a lonely whore." No one like. Yeah. Is this an ad break, right? Oh no, no. Uh, oh Jesus, <laughs> Mike's. Bell, I'll ask you one more time not to kick me under the table. <laughs> um, you've got on. a long list on there. Have you no, got anything else? This is a long. This is a long, long. How about list. we go for one more review? Okay. And then. You sorry, can plug sorry, your sorry, show. Sorry. Sorry. I'm <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't want to know what's happening right now. Sorry. Please bless, continue. Bless myself. Please continue. Well, I do actually have one, <laughs> one more one more review. And this is not of uh, a uh, cafe. Mm-hmm. This is a review of a person who works at a cafe. Ha, ha, ha. You haven't okay. had one of these before, have you? No, we haven't. We haven't seen this since <laughs> the 80s. No. Uh, <laughs> I made a review... A particular gentleman who works, and I will name it because this is not an advertisement. This is a okay. genuine plug. Right. And I actually don't condone any of the food they serve there, but I do condone this guy. And yeah, I'll pay seven dollars for this for a social, a forced social interaction with this gentleman. Mm, so it's a ritzy cafe. Oh, absolutely not. It's actually a takeaway sandwich place oh. um, in a food court in the city. Um, <laughs> it's called Salads and More. This is a shout out to Salads Plus More. <laughs> um, and uh, there's a man there who has such passion for... You know, you get you meet those people who are just doing what they're born to do. Like you two mm-hmm. right here. You're on the radio. It's just like, it's awesome, man, you know? And you guys were born to do this. And this guy, this is what, this is what he was born to do. I go there. Okay, I'll get two sandwiches, please. Mm-hmm. He says, okay, which one are you going to eat first? I said, uh, the one with the chicken. He says, all right, well, what I'll do, I'll toast that one a little bit less than the other one because when I put them in the bag... Once you get to the other one, it could go a bit hard, a bit cold. So what I'm going to do is make that one a little bit fresher. And he taught me through the whole process. And it was really <laughs> refreshing to have someone talk me through the sandwich toasting process. Usually we're in the dark here. And mm. we, we don't just pay for just a sandwich. You put your trust days. into the we person pay for sandwich and, ad- and we pay for advice. Mm. All right, you know this. You're in the real estate game. Money talks, baby. Money talks. <laughs> when, we, when, when we buy a house, we want to know, hey, did anyone die here? Mm. Right, and that's where you kick in. You say yes, the whole family, <laughs> and then, and then um, so that's what I want from my sandwich artists. And there is a difference between a sandwich artist and someone who sells sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And that difference is you're either this guy at Salads and More or you're everyone else. He is a sandwich artist. <laughs> He's and, above, yeah, above and, and beyond. I, I will, yeah, I will slag someone off live on air. I'm talking to you, guy at Govinda's <laughs> on George Street. All right, and this guy, right? I'm not going to name any names because I've had enough defamation suits this year. It's only March. And i got to tell you, my bank account is clean. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but for the record, listeners, Harry is now standing. Uh, he got real excited. It's, it's, a, it's a miracle. I'm out of the wheelchair. <laughs> I'm standing. Uh, no, but uh, this guy, like, you know, Govindas, it's about inner peace. It's yes. like Tibetan. Yes. All right? Uh-huh. Um, th- why is this guy one of the most unfriendly people I've ever met in my whole, in, ever met in my whole life? Right? I couldn't tell you. And I can't. Actually, there will be no defamation suit because I know for a fact 
bad goodness right now. They are not listening to the radio. They are playing <laughs> traditional Tibetan music. They probably don't care about you. Yes. <laughs> and and I'm, I've been de-identified, right? No one knows my real name, right? Uh, look, but the whole point is, all right, I've been there before and I've said, mate, can you just put on the radio, turn off this Tibetan shit? And it goes, oh, hey. And, but no, I didn't. that didn't happen. But, uh, yes. Yep. When I see that guy, when I walk in and I see that guy, Govindas, oh, this guy's the worst. Very unfriendly. There you go. Okay, so, okay, so we've had some good service people, some bad service people. Yeah. Um, where would you recommend the people go for a fantastic toasted sandwich? I, it is with my whole heart. That Did I you get their name <coughs> as well? Or you just... Absolutely not. Okay. No. <laughs> I'm not going to satisfy every element of the defamation <laughs> okay. claim. Uh, but what I will say is toasted sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Do I have a toasted sandwich recommendation for you, Belle and Lizzie? Um, <laughs> uh, there is a place in the valley, a okay. pub. I was watching the World Cup there last year. Right. Half time. Uh-huh. Bouncer comes over. Says, sorry, mate, we're closed. going to have to go. There was one other drunk in the back going, Hey, mate, we're going to go. And that was me. The other guy back was like, hello, excuse me, sir. Um, not off time. And I was like, oh, that's not going to And I got to walk out the main entrance. Mm. Bouncer says, sorry, sir. You have to enter this. You have to exit this way through the gaming room. Okay. Exit through the gaming room. The place is packed. Mm. They're not closing the gaming room. And the gaming room, sign up. Free toasted sandwiches. Oh, Okay. Oh. That's a pretty good place. Yeah, all you have to do is play pokies until 4 a.m., <laughs> put in all your pension, and you get a free toasty. There yeah, you go. That seems yep. like a good deal right there. Yeah. Wow. Thank you very much for all of those reviews. Thank you. Um, I'm sure we'll be seeing you in two weeks on our show, but every week, Harry Raval Lee, if you're listening and not sure who this voice is, um, you have your own show, A Decanter of Bandits, on tonight. It's actually cancelled tonight. Oh. A decanter of banter is cancelled. Oh, my God. Uh, what have you got in store for tonight? Uh, it's next week. No, it's seriously cancelled. Oh, you're not going to be here? No, no, I, I can't. I can't. I've taken a very ill-timed trip to Roma. Well, yes, well, I think I'm well. going to the Roma races. Mm-hmm. No, a guy in Roma owes me money. I feel my buddy's going to travel up by car tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so Thanks you, for you can't exposing defend yourself. your plan live on air. You can't defend yourself from physical violence when you're sleeping. But, um, yeah, so we'll be heading to Roma. And uh, I just want to wish you guys a great rest of the show. And I can't wait to see you again in two weeks as long as Bell stops kicking me from under the table. <laughs> All right. Just quickly, before you do go, we do have a request for your next appearance. We've got Max Crofts che- uh, texting in saying, next time can we have Harry's thoughts on the new e-scooter craze? Lime scooters, thoughts. You got it, Matt Shofts. All right. <laughs> I, <coughs> I will give in to your request. <laughs> There we as go. long as you two give in to my request. For Sean Paul, get busy. Play it again, <laughs> Sam. Show me a sombrero and call me Sanchez. Welcome. Yeah, Welcome to the show, The Canter of Banter. And this is no regular show. This is no regular The Canter of Banter. No, no, we still will be playing Spinning Round by Kylie Minogue on repeat for 25 minutes. And by 25 minutes, I, of course, mean 60. Ah, in the blue corner, we have Canter Mother Flippin' Holmes. Hello. How are we? Louder. Hello. Thank you. And in the blue, he's in a circle. He's near the edge. What's that? This is a voice coming out of Carl Preeby's mouth right now. So, yeah, that's good. Carl Preeby, welcome to the show. It's great to have you back. Not a problem. Yeah, uh, we came back. We, we brought another Your Parade member here. Yeah. yeah Initiation. Yeah. You know what we do? He went, when shuck, he did shuck, her, shuck, her, his first show, Ooh, ha, ha. he fucked tugged a beer. We did a nudie laps. Uh, yeah, and you have to punch someone wearing a red T-shirt. <laughs> oh, shit. Get off me. What do you mean? Yours is, yours is, your shirt's yellow. It's got this One Nation banner on it. What the hell are you wearing? you got to take Carl, that Carl, Take that off. <laughs> anyway. It's been a crazy, crazy week. Um, three blokes in the studio. <laughs> We're pl- a very special segment this week, guys. We've got the three guys in the studio tonight. By the end of the show, if you correctly guess which one of us actually thinks that Israel Folau is right, then you get to win a free trip 
to Ashgrove Catholic Church. Um, so, uh, Israel Falau, isn't that just a massive... Um, Fascinating, hey, yeah. Uh, ...story? You know, we have a champion footballer who, um, in some eyes, is now not a champion in the sense that, you know, you fist bump the guy at the local hardware store when you buy a new ch- uh, chainsaw and you go, cheers, <laughs> champion. And then it's like, wow, I'm a man. Even though that guy probably has similar views to Israel. <laughs> Do not be smirched local <laughs> hardware store owners. You know, I'm starting to think Carl's the dude. You should see it. You win a free trip to Hatchfield Catholic Church. Congratulations. Shit, that's a record. Two minutes. Oh, we need more prizes. Talk to the producer. Hey, Steve. Steve, yeah. The show, he's already won. Yeah. All right. It's a double pass. It's a double pass to Ashgrove Catholic Church. Kenta Holmes. You're going with him. Can I come too? Carl, you can come with me, definitely. All right. Nice. You know what? This is what annoyed me the most about what Israel said. All right? Oh, Christ, would you <laughs> shut up? Um, uh, uh, this is what annoyed me the most, is that when I meet a handsome homosexual man, I just get so delighted and I shake his hand and I say, thank you for your service. Because, you know, a handsome homosexual man is one less competition for us boys. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, that's good. You say that to me every morning. Like, when you buy the big issue and you don't even want the big issue, that buzz that you get is actually... Nice, don't ever, with big issue, don't ever listen to um, their stories, by the way. Like, like, like chat to them and buy the, buy the magazine. I've bought it a couple of times. Okay. But don't ever stop and talk to them because they're very quick to just start telling them about you, their life. And right it's, and it's i mean it's it's like heart-wrenching but you don't like on your way to work you don't want to hear about this guy he's like his house is burnt down you're like oh, okay. so what you're trying to say is time is money and if, you, <laughs> and if you've had a chat with the bloke then you've essentially hey. bought the big issue already <laughs> hey when i'm walking the streets of london right now i, I don't i'm walking fleet street of london i don't want ro- bloody joe sad story here telling me stories I, I just want to get to work make a buck go home well, that leads me to my next point <laughs> um yeah is Carl's not very nice, is he? No, he's not. <laughs> I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> no, I I agree. But I've been caught. But I've been caught. The only thing is, I've been caught, and you got to you got to act like. And you, I had to stay there for like twenty minutes, and like you listed this guy, and like you know, it's sad, but you know. It's- I'd say what time and place. I completely agree. If, if I had a police charge for every time I had kicked um, the dog of a guy trying to sell the big issue in the street, then there would be justice in this world. I can tell you, there is not justice. There, um, justice where I don't see it. Um, and he- <laughs> yeah. So when I see when I when I meet a handsome homosexual guy, I I just go yippee, thank you, thank you very much for your service. When I meet a really hot lesbian lady, I go well, she probably wasn't going to sleep with me anyway, so um, it doesn't change much. But uh, these are the things that Israel Flow hasn't thought about, mm. um, and that's the issue I take with him. Not the only issue I'll have you know. Uh, there was more. Um, the drunks. The, the, the drunks. Yeah, He's yeah. dragged everyone else into yeah. it too. But this is where I draw the line. See, uh, if you're not a Christian, then should you be offended by what he said? Think about this, for example, all right? Now, I think that Sorrento Moon by Tina Arena is the greatest pop song ever made. Now, if some Buddhists came up to me in the street and they said, Buddha will sit on you if you think that Sorrento Moon is the greatest pop song ever made, I would just simply say, well, I'll just wait for Buddha's big fat you know laffy taffy then um you, you know is, what i mean is that is that like a punishment in, in buddhism for, for him to sit on him surely that's the is punishment that, well, if, that, <laughs> it, well if they said oh if you sin buddha will chase you down and beat you i'd be like okay i'll sin all i want see if you can catch me catch me imagine you seeing imagine getting chased by buddha but <laughs> so in christianity there's hell <laughs> and in buddhism it's just buddha sits on just you sit on you. buddha sits on you <laughs> I'm not widely read on on Buddhist (laughs) text. We just had a text in um, from Michael. He says, "Hey Sarah, great to meet you the other night. How's your week been?" Ooh, I think that's rough. I think uh, whoever Sarah has given you the wrong number, Michael. Try again next Saturday night at the Flying Cock. One of my favourite pastimes is watching boyfriends of Instagram. Like not the, not the page. Like you go down to the beach and there's guys like there's my, my one of my favourites there. Yeah? <laughs> Thanks, mate. Uh, one of my favourites is like knees. So facing t- in the, in the beach, oh, 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 in, in the water up to the knees and facing towards the ocean and then looking back over your shoulder and the boyfriend's there squatting down. 
Like getting really low. <laughs> and this one guy was like, was like That's why I've gone to yoga class With my girlfriend For the last nine months for That's like, why I can like, do this Like a waterproof camera Like the waves hitting it And like a you little know, crab Getting in front of you He just gets in there And this guy And he's down there It's like a workout Yeah He's like he's working yeah. for her And they get up And she gives him a kiss in the cheek And a, like a patronising pat on the back <laughs> And they walk back and then a, a rare Galapagos turtle gets in the way. Get the f*** out of the way! <laughs> Thro- throws a Galapagos turtle across the beach. <laughs> Trying to get a perfect shot! So, Russell Brand, you like the guy. Like Do you see guy. him as a, a, a messiah? A messiah, yes. Messiah. I see him as a, as a Jesus-type figure. Like, I've heard of him in that space a little bit, but mm. has he got to the point where... <laughs> So we'll just have an intellectual conversation over top of this, this um, female tennis match. Okay. So, so you so, like Russell Brand? I, uh, yeah. So what, what are some of his views? Or, or what, what does he enlighten you about? So, so he must have done something pretty special to be, to be a messiah. I know that's name is Netflix special, but like... Well, at the moment he does these videos on YouTube where he'll just talk about anxiety and sort of personal issues that people might be going through. Right, yes. I used to work with a guy who was such an enigma. He would never come out of his office unless you mentioned something about turmeric and then all of a sudden you'd hear him put, putting on his pants and shoes and you go, crap, he's coming. Turmeric. And, and it would pop out of his office and you go, turmeric, it's not a superfood. Only one chip superfood. That's cucumber. <laughs> and he'd go back into his office. Cucumber? Fuck, that guy's covered in dust. <laughs> Was it turmeric? That was such an enigma. Yeah, he's, he's in this. He, he, he was always he's triggered stalled. by t- Stolten turmeric. Yeah. It's <laughs> not a superfood. Oh, it's not turmeric. Every day, it's done nothing for me. Kiss <laughs> <laughs> my wife and family. <laughs> it's either me or the turmeric. <laughs> uh, uh, pumpkin Man, one of the most iconic semi-homeless people of Indooroopilly. The guy who just put oh. he puts two pumpkins in a trolley and he pushes them around night and day. I I I used to man, it was just so horrifying. He was literally orange man, and um he, he lived in a house. And, and I know he's not listening because his house does not have electricity. Um, uh, he lived in this house on, in Indooroopilly. And then sometimes I would be a bit courageous and I'd walk home from uni at nighttime, at late hours. And and I would, I'd see him and it was just horrifying. You just see this bright orange man in the middle of the night with a, with a trolley full of pumpkins. And all you hear is the rattle, the rattle of the trolley, you know, um, on the gravel. You know, it's a bit like that. You close your eyes, picture it. Picture it. Close your eyes, actually, you, you, and, and imagine a bright orange man with a trolley full of pumpkins. Cut the sound. Thanks, Steve. You're in a, you're walking down through Indrapilly. It's the middle of spring. You can smell the gardenias in the air, the freshly cut grass of Indrapilly's many fine locals living next door to rowdy students from all over the world. And we're going to hear um, the sound of the trolley, and we're going to smell. What's that smell? That's not fresh grass. That's not two-minute noodles of the students. That's it's pumpkin. Oh, my God. That's a man who hasn't showered in three weeks because he has no hot water and the power's been cut out of his house. And he had, you know, th- that's what we're dealing with here. We're talking iconic semi-homeless man because what if you don't have power in your house, mm. you know, you're not going to say you're not homeless, but you got, you got that shelter, which makes you semi-homeless. This is the, um, the great um, forgotten middle of the homeless community. The people who have a house, but just not much in it. How are they sustaining the house? Sorry, can we go back to the pumpkin man? Yeah, pumpkin. Yeah, we, we, we were still there. We never left we're, pumpkin. We're <laughs> yeah. so, 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 so he'd roll past him. Would he kind of lower his voice and, and settle the pumpkins going downhill and go, you boys want a pumpkin? Like, what, what, is he selling pumpkins? Is he collecting them? You've gotten pumpkin man so very wrong. Uh, pumpkin man does not simply speak. He's a door to door salesman. I think what pumpkin man does. He, he mumbles. He speaks in pumpkin. My mate Benny Long <laughs> swears upon this because I live with him at the time and he mm. said, he came home from work one day, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed. He said, he says, guess what I've seen? I say, oh, God, what have you seen? And he said, I was just in uh, Tuong uh, at the intersection uh, from the Royal Exchange to uh, you know, the Tuong Tower building. Of course, long he was. Yeah. Uh, I saw Pumpkin Man standing there with his hands down his pants <laughs> masturbating <laughs> at a busy suburban intersection. It was one of those Coles truck went by with the pumpkins on the side. <laughs> There's a fresh pumpkins. Like, oh yeah, pumpkins on the move. <laughs> and, in front of a, and in front of a bakery, pumpkin pie. Wow. <laughs> I like what you do with your pumpkins. <laughs> At, in, inside pumpkin patch. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, that'll do. Um, so <laughs> that got re- a bit weird, Carl. But uh... the people of Brisbane, it's 11 p.m. on a Thursday. Y'all know what time it is. It's time to deny climate change. All right. 
There might be evidence of climate change, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. No, I quite which I haven't seen. I have not seen an inconvenient truth starring Al Gore. But even if I had, you know, I'm pretty sure that is probably the most useless film ever created. An inconvenient truth. Because all, the only people who went and watched it were the people who already believed in climate change. You know, it was like uh, the people who went and watched An Inconvenient Truth starring Al Gore at the cinema. Well, just like my mate's dad who sits every weekend in his Liverpool jersey drinking a Carlsberg, watching an Ian Rush all-goals compilation, all-Liverpool goals on DVD. All right? Now, he didn't buy that DVD wondering, is Ian Rush my favourite ever striker for Liverpool? All right, he bought that. He already knew. And when you go around and you're making too much noise in the next room while he's trying to watch it with his Carlsberg and Liverpool jersey, he'll come around and he'll tell you to shut up. And that's just like the other people then West End who, are, who have their dad in the next room, you know, drinking beer out of a keep cup, wearing a Sea Shepherd T-shirt, who comes into the next room and says, you will shut up when Al Gore is speaking. Uh, quite seriously, it's 11 p.m. on a Thursday. Y'all know what time it is. Y'all know what time it is. It's Sean Paul time. Shake that thing, miss. Can I, can I shake that thing, miss? I'm not gonna shake. The Cardinal Pell, he was imprisoned. Basically, he was, he's been found guilty. Uh, well, allegedly found guilty. In fact, a few p- notable people have come to his defence and they're saying, look, all right, he's been found guilty. But whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty, but still innocent? Isn't this a democracy? Uh, I think uh, the the key to world peace is forgiveness. You know what I mean? Um, y- y- at some point, uh, these you know these drug lord, these murders in the favelas of Brazil. The only way it stops. Look, I've seen the film City of God. I know exactly how it works. And all they need to do is say, "Look, I know you killed my brother." I know you're threatening me right now with a knife. And I know there's a couple of people behind me also threatening me with a knife. But I just want to say, I forgive you. And then, world peace. Until they all go home and go to sleep. And then, you kill all three. And then you go, now world peace. I I got thinking and I said, how did all this start? How did all, you know, who made the rule that priests couldn't have sex with women or, or older men? Who made this rule? Then I realised, yes. Um, as I got deeper and deeper within the Wikipedia page, I got right to the bottom and it said, actually how it started was there was a really butt-ugly priest who just couldn't say funny jokes. And uh, people, you know, all the other priests were, were playing the field a bit. You know how they are. And um, and the, the, these priests were absolute players. They'd go up to girls. They'd, they'd wind down the car windows and go, Girl, you are divine. And the girls would say, Oh, how many, ge- how many girls have you said that to, Father O'Reilly? <laughs> and um, and they, were, they were just absolutely on the dance floor. It's a bit like um, these days when those American sailors come in. They're in the, those white suits. And, and you're sort of you're dancing with your girlfriend. Then you go, Oh, shit. And then you just go, Look have her just return her by sunday seven o'clock look i get it you're strong you're handsome you're american um but yeah but priests were like those priests were like those americans stealing our girls back in the day one of them um uh, was feeling a bit bad because he was but ugly and didn't didn't have jokes didn't have lines um and so he made a new rule that uh no it wasn't because you know he couldn't get girls that he wasn't getting them. He said, "No, we're not. We're not doing that anymore." Um, I've spoken to a burning bush. There is a burning bush in the backyard. No, it's not burning anymore. No, no, I put it out. Thank God, thank God. He was threatening the house, but there was a burning bush out of nowhere, and it spoke to me. No, it seriously it spoke to me. Shush, shush. And here's the thing: it said that we can't actually have uh, sex anymore. And um, and there's a loophole, and I'll get to that later on, but we can't have sex. Um, and uh, that, that's how it all started. And I think it's time that we go, look, maybe the priests, being a priest would, would attract better characters, and um, you wouldn't have to pay them so much if uh, you could have sex too and you didn't have to sacrifice yourself um, sexually. Um, anyway, so, uh, I mean, I, I feel kind of bad 
hanging some more shit on uh, the Catholic Church. They're becoming a very easy target, a soft target. I feel almost like a coward for um, bringing it up, really. Um, it's like Donald Trump jokes. It's like if you're still making jokes about Donald Trump now, uh, for all these years, um, it's time for some new material. Got to jazz it up. In fact, you'd only be impressed these days if someone made a Donald Trump joke if they were like some person who'd been through a, a terribly traumatic experience and they hadn't said a joke for four years. You know, like uh, you're a guy called you know serious serious Steve. He's so serious. Uh, serious Steve hasn't made a joke since he reversed over the family dog in the driveway. Uh, all he talks about is darkness, and he just. He, he still paints, yeah, he still paints, but he just paints black pictures, just a black background, every day the same picture. And, um, yes, and uh, then one day he says, what do you call a presidential fart? Serious Steve? What did you just say, Serious Steve? What do you call a presidential fart? A trumpet. And, and everyone goes, wow, wait, Serious Steve said a joke, and then Serious Steve's like, "No, no, hey, wait, wait, wait. no, I seriously, th- I, I seriously thought that's what they were called. No, I'm serious. I'm Serious Steve. <laughs> I reverse over the family dog. But yes, um, would you like to hear some good news? I have a piece of good news, and I have a piece of bad news. How about we start with the good news? Um, the good news is, I had a four-day working week. The bad news is, I went to a funeral yesterday." Oasis, they're a bit like the bulb and they're beautiful. You might go around slagging them off saying that's stupid, but when your friend puts it on, you're not going to tell them to turn it off. You're going to stick around and enjoy yourself. The bulb and the beautiful, try and take your eyes off it. Maybe that's just me. I think I do secretly enjoy the bulb and the beautiful. I secretly enjoy it because you can take four years off, see South America, grow a beard that goes down to your knees, come back and see your family again at 4.30 in the afternoon. They say, Harry, we haven't seen you for four years. You say, sit down, I've got some stories to tell. And then they say, can it wait half an hour? Uh, B and B's on. And so you sit down on the couch with your sister, watching Bold and the Beautiful, and you know exactly what's going on. And you say, wow, a Ridge and Brooke still together. Um, and then she says, no, they're getting married for the fifth time. See, that's the prop. People say, "Oh, the bold and the beautiful. The plot's so repetitive." And here's here this is when I say, "Well, don't blame the writers of Bold and the Beautiful. Blame the unions. Blame these very strict employment laws where they can't just sack an actor and bring in a new one. They have to keep them. So they go, "Holy crap! All right, how do we get these guys off our payroll? You just can't sack an actor anymore." Um, you know, it goes to the Fair Work Tribunal. They say, I didn't do anything wrong. I show up to work every day on time. And um, I stayed beautiful. I turned 50 and I got a boob job. You can't just sack me from the bald and the beautiful. And uh, so you have to keep them there. And you go, well, we need weddings. We need uh, uh, car crashes. Um, you, so you have to get married again and you have to have a fatal car crash but not die. You have to come back to life two years later because we need you. We can't sack you. Um, uh, that's that's the story behind the story. That's what they don't show you um, on TV. Um, employment laws, the actors' unions, uh, it's just crippling the bold and the beautiful. And who really suffers? Who really suffers? It's us. It's us, the siblings of people who watch Bold and the Beautiful. And I would get home every afternoon with my school bag tired from a hard day's work at the classroom, not wagging school, going to bloody protest down in botanical gardens. Not in my day. In my day, we went to school. We worked hard. We respected our teachers. And we respected the environment in our own time, not during school time. And then we came home and we did our homework. And then mum came home and we said, what's for dinner? And what do kids do these days? They just go and protest in the botanical gardens about the environment, thinking they're bloody scientists. How about before you go around making bold scientific statements like global warming exists and is real, how about you do your bloody science homework, 
buster. Um, that's a little word from Uncle Harry from Community Radio. All right, if you want to end up as successful as me, all right, seriously, earning a six-figure salary here on Community Radio, ends with a zero, starts with a zero, um, then you better go to class. Careful, look out. It's that idea of the week. Unbelievable scenes. One of our favourite segments, Date Idea of the Week. And uh, this week's Date Idea of the Week comes from Terry from Balimba. It is, uh, take your girl to South Bank. It's a very good idea, South Bank. Oh, actually, this is a good one. I, I once worked with a lady who went on a date. She was very excited. They went on a date and he said, um, I'm taking you to South Bank. And they went to South Bank. And he just thought that South Bank would be good enough, just, just getting there. And they walked up and down that boardwalk about four or five times and then she aptly said look I'm, I'm hungry are we going to eat something are we going to drink something and he was like oh um, so it's very important to, to plan step two it's not good enough just to go to South Bank and, and walk um, find a sauna or something like that um, you want to go to a sauna no uh, should I just drop you home yes um, 